And this is class number nine. This is, we have one more class after tonight. Uh, tonight we'll be looking at motivation for personal evangelism and what we can do to help the church grow uh, in our area. Um, <clears throat> next week will be our final class, class number 10. It'll be on apathy and evangelism. What happens when we teach the lost? And also, what it's going to be on apathy and evangelism, and what happens when we teach the lost? <clears throat> you might say apathy towards evangelism, and then what happens when we teach the lost? Anyway, uh, that'll be next week's final class. I haven't been able to locate the slides or the notes from the previous, not last class, but you know, the class we pre recorded, uh, where I talked about. Uh, the one-on-one -on -one study itself. Uh, I thought I could find it on my external. I just haven't done it, so it looks like I'll be making some scans of the hard copy and sending that to you so you'll have it. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll make sure that everybody gets that. Okay, so tonight we're looking at motivation for personal evangelism and what we can do to help the church grow uh, in our area. Well, one of the first things that should motivate us is the love of God. <clears throat> you look at Romans chapter 5. Well, give me just one second here. I uh, forgot to open my Bible program. <clears throat> but you look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were, still, that while we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. That's Romans chapter 5. In verse 8. Um, so we think about that. Again, he says there, Paul says in Romans 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, not while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, we see clearly the love of Christ for mankind in Romans 5 and verse 8, and we should have that same love for mankind as well. Uh, you know, I think about the song... Uh, we sometimes sing called You Never Mentioned Him to Me. Uh, that's something we don't want someone to tell us. You know, there's a difference between not mentioning Christ to someone, not talking to some, someone about Christ, and someone not obeying. Uh, those two are not the same. If we don't mention someone to Christ or don't speak to someone about Christ, then we have a problem <clears throat> with ourselves. But if we mention, if we talk with someone about Christ, that is, we mention Him to them, then the blood, you must say, their blood is off our hands, and it's up to them to decide what to do. But one of the things that should motivate us for evangelism is a love for man. The parables of Luke chapter 15, you think about this, the parables of Luke chapter 15 all include the word lost. You had the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all these show God's love as well as his willingness to accept those that repent and do his will, do his will. And so we look at those parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. It's all about returning something to their rightful place, returning someone or something to their rightful place. The lost sheep is going out looking for that one that has strayed. Even though the 99 are still there, we go out and look for that one that has strayed. The lost coin that did it. We search diligently for that, and we find that we rejoice. The lost son, when he returns to where he ought to be, as we know that we call the lost son, sometimes the parable, the uh, parable son, the prodigal son, 
And when he returns, what happens? We rejoice that he has returned. And so all those things, we see the love of God in that, and we also see the desire to return that which was lost. God's love for the lost ought to cause us to imitate his love and try to reach those that are outside of Christ. We want to be like Christ. We want to be the person who is reaching out to, the, to those around us. They may not receive it, they may not obey, but we can still do all that we can by talking to them and encouraging them to read the Bible with us, study the Bible with us. Which brings us to our second example, or second point here, the example of Christ should be one of our motivation, some of our motivation for personal evangelism. Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 10 that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, in order for someone to be saved, they had to first be lost. We talked about this some uh, in a program recently for the for the radio program. With Landon Rao, we were talking about hearing and believing, talking about the plan of salvation. And he made a point that in order for someone to be saved, they first have to be lost, uh, because some have to some believe that and was taught for a long time and still is. It's, that some are chosen to be saved or lost. They are predestined. That you were born, saved, or lost. Billy Graham held that view. However, we realize that is contrary to the Word of God. In order for someone to first be saved, they had to first. In order for someone to be saved, they had to first be lost. And Christ came to seek that which was lost. It is mankind, those who are outside of the body of Christ, those who have not obeyed the gospel. He has come to seek and to save those. <clears throat> Before he went back, <clears throat> before excuse me, before he went to the, to lay down his life on the cross, <clears throat> Jesus showed himself to be a preacher with great compassion. For instance, we find this in Mark one and verse thirty-eight. And let me just get over there. Mark chapter one and verse thirty-eight. That says, and he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for, there, for therefore came I forth. Uh, you might, the New King James words it this way <clears throat> in, in Mark one thirty eight. Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And so it was for that purpose that Christ came to preach the lost, preach to the lost, reach out to the lost. That was his purpose. As Christians, we are to reach out to the lost. As I think we've talked about this before, and my memory fails me because this is our ninth class, but we have to realize that soul winning, reaching out to the lost, is not just the job of the preacher, though that is part of his occupation. It's not just the job of the elder or of the deacon, so that's part of their work as well as being leaders, but is the job of every Christian. You remember the Great Commission? Christ says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To so he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Uh, he talks about there in Matthew, uh, going to all the world, and um, well, let's go to Matthew chapter twenty. My mind is—I guess it's been a long day. I don't know. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, in verse nineteen, the King James says, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even into." Even unto the end of the world, Amen. And so that is part of the that great commission is given to all men. Now he's speaking to the disciples there, to the apostles, but that is also to everyone, including us today. And you know, sadly, 
there are those who believe that soul winning is left up to the leadership of the congregation. But it's left up maybe to just the preacher, or it's left up to the preacher and the leaders, the elders, the deacons. Uh, but it's always seemed to be something, it's always for someone else. Well, as no, it's, it's for everyone. And so we need to remember that. <clears throat> we find in Mark chapter 6, another example from Christ. In Mark 6, and looking at verse 34... Here the Bible says, And Jesus, went, Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things because they were like a sheep or like sheep without a shepherd. He was trying to what? To guide them to the truth, to guide them to Christ. And that's what we are doing, doing as well. We're trying to get them to, to obey the gospel, show what they, what they need to do from the word of God, and have them follow Jesus and not follow us, but to follow Jesus. Another thing to consider when you think about motivation for personal evangelism is the knowledge that some people are lost. Is that, excuse me, the, not that some people are lost. The knowledge is that people are lost without the people are lost without Jesus. Without Christ, they cannot have eternal life. Without Christ, they cannot do that. They will not know how to get to heaven. If you look at John chapter <clears throat> John chapter 14 and looking at verse 6 the Bible says Jesus saith unto him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me we need Christ in order to get to heaven and the lost need Christ without Christ they cannot have in heaven as their home they cannot come to the father without him and so we are to preach Jesus to them teach Jesus to them that's what uh, the Ethiopian eunuch had taught to him. Philip opened the word of God, and what happened? He preached Jesus unto him. Those that are not in Christ are without God, without Christ, and without hope. You look at Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 12 says that, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel... And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. They were what? They were without hope, without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers of the covenants of promise, uh, from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When, why was that the case? Because you find there in the beginning of verse 12, he says that, that at that time you were without Christ. That's why they were in that position. If people do not obey the gospel, then they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Second Thessalonians 1, verses 8 and 9. These are things that should motivate us. Souls are hanging in the balance, realizing that all men are either going to go into everlasting punishment or into heaven, the heavenly home. Surely we want, all, we want to do all that we can to teach them how to avoid hell and to receive the crown of life. Another thing that should motivate us, for, uh, motivate us for personal evangelism is our appreciation for what God has done for us. This ought to mo motivate us to teach the gospel to others. Jesus once told a man from whom he had cast out demons in, in Mark chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> in verse 19, 
says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell, him, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and, and hath had compassion on thee. Go and tell everyone what, what, I, what I have done for you. Go and tell everyone uh, what has happened to you. If it was <clears throat> if it was proper to tell the news of such relief from physical suffering, how much more so for us to tell others the news of how to have their sins washed away? Just what has God done for us? He has spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, Romans eight thirty two. And first Corinthians fifteen verse fifty seven says, But thanks be to God which giveth giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we really appreciate what God has done for us, then we should not, then should we not naturally have a desire for others to get in on such a good thing. And our last uh, point to consider when thinking about motivation for personal evangelism: seeing other saints zealously, zealously teaching the lost, seeing the zeal of others who are reaching out to the lost. This also can be a big encouragement to us. Seeing our brothers and sisters put forth a great effort to teach the gospel can be contagious. We are not surprised to read that in the first century that scattered disciples went everywhere preaching the word in Acts 8 verse 4. Why, is this not, why should this not surprise us? Because they, had, because they had had the opportunity to observe the apostles preach with boldness, Acts 4.31. And on a daily basis in both public and private, Acts 5, verse 42. Yes, that kind of zeal tends to rub off on others. You know what else rubs off on others? Apathy. If zeal rubs off on others, so does the lack of concern for souls as well. Our next point, our next uh, section to cover tonight is what can we do to help the church grow uh, in our area and brother um, Roger Campbell he actually lists several things he has a list of about 20 uh, he makes some comments to here before this and then I'll make some comments throughout this as well uh, <clears throat> well I lost my place here just one second okay sometimes when congregations are searching for a new evangelist, they asked prospective preachers this question. If you served as our preacher, what would you plan to do to help make this congregation grow? My thought on that question is this. Shouldn't every member of the body of Christ ask him or herself, him or herself that same question? What do I plan to do to help the church grow? We think so. Seeing the, that the Lord wants all saints to be teachers. Hebrews 5 and verse 12. What can we do to help the church grow in the area? Well, everyone has to be involved. You know, the church is not going to grow, and people are going to get burned out and discouraged if one or two or three people are only ones doing it. You know, if you have a congregation of 100, and only two or three people are doing anything to try to reach out to the lost, we you know those two or three people who are doing, doing things are going to get tired and stop, or they may just say, you know what, we're going to go somewhere else where people are willing to work with us, and they may just leave. And to be honest, I would understand that because why would you want to stay in a place where you're the only ones working and the 98% of everyone else is just sitting there doing nothing? We want others working with us as well. <clears throat> Sometimes we hear the question, but what can I do to help 
teach the lost. If that's what you are thinking to yourself, he's, Brother Taylor says here, believe me, you are not alone. Many Christians sincerely desire to be involved in teaching the gospel to others, but feel they are not up to the task. They may think that since they are not capable of sending before an audience and skillfully de- delivering a lesson, that they are of no value to the church when it comes to evangelism. Or they may feel like knocking doors to spread the gospel is not what they are cut out for, so they cannot, rely, so they cannot really be of any help in teaching the lost. Well, think about this. Does God not require each person to be able to deliver? Does God not require each person to be able to deliver to deliver skillfully a, a public lesson? No, He does not do that. Nor does He require every saint to go out and knock doors. These are not requirements for salvation. So, what do we need to do? If you feel comfortable in the above two areas, and that does not mean that there is nothing you can do. To, then that does not mean that there is nothing you can do to help spread the gospel to Christ to those who are lost. There are a lot of things that members of the church can do in the realm of evangelism. We are going to, he says, we're going to list several of these below. So let's think about as we go through this, what can I do to help teach the lost? Well, let's think about some of these things that he lists here. And we're going to go through these one by one, and I'll add in some other comments as well. And one of the things we have to remember is that technology, of course, as we're using it tonight, is a great way to reach out to the lost, but I'll get to, I'll get back to that in a moment. I almost I don't remember if he mentions technology specifically. Excuse me. Um. <clears throat> uh. Some of this, of course, there's you can always add more. I'm sure that this isn't meant to be a extensive list, but he says if one of the first things you can do to help the church grow is a teacher of children or grandkids. And no doubt, that's pretty simple. Teach your kids about Christ. Teach your grandkids about Christ. That's going to help the church grow because what do you want them to do? You want them to come and be faithful. You know, some people overlook that. They think that's just the duty of the congregation, and that's not their job. And sometimes when that when people have the attitude, well, what happens when those kids get over and get out of the house? They're gone. They aren't coming back. Because the church cannot by itself... A key of everyone faithful we need the help of members we can't just rely on bible bible class teachers and preachers elders and deacons everyone needs to be involved and that includes parents and grandparents as well he says give appropriate tracts to friends family members or co and co-workers and others he says notice appropriate think about which tracts might be most suitable for a particular per- prospect if a person does not believe in jesus as the son of god then, then at the outset a track on why you should believe the Bible would be more appropriate for him or her than a track on when you should when you should partake of the Lord's Supper, and so pick a appropriate uh, track to hand out to someone. He says lay out tracks in the hospitals and on on tables in the hospitals, waiting rooms, at nursing homes, or other facilities where the authorities are not opposed to such. Uh, Any more, that's getting harder and harder. Uh, we did that here a few years ago when we were visiting some people, and we people came up to us and told us we couldn't do that. They called it called it apostol, apostos, apostolizing or something. I don't remember what they called it for, but the chaplain, so to speak, the chaplain, came up and told us not to. And so the brother who was with me wisely said, "Well, if someone wants it, can we give it to them?" They said, "Yes, okay." And so, or those who 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 already passed passed them out to, I think. We asked if they wanted to keep them. Could they keep them? He said yes. And so we asked the gentleman, do you want to keep that? And he said yes. And the chaplain right then got pretty upset that that's what happened. But we were proving a point. People wanted it. 
but that's coming harder and harder. Uh, number four, he says, be a good example before others, which might, we, which might cause them to have interest in the gospel, and it could eventually lead to a Bible study and their obedience to the gospel. Uh, we want to have a good example, but you know what? That can't be the only one we do. People will read that and think, okay, that's what I can do. I can just be a good example. I won't curse. I'll go to services most of the time, and then I'll, I'll be a good example. That's the poor attitude to have. That's, you know, that's the easiest one we can have. That's part of it, but we need to do more. Pray for those who teach and preach. Pray for their courage as well as for open doors to teach. Uh, that's something I think is very wise. We should pray for those who are teaching. Pray for our Bible class teachers and pray for the preacher, but also pray for the leadership as well. Encourage friends, coworkers, and family members to sign up for a Bible correspondence course. You know, sometimes these individuals, you know, are friends and coworkers, family members, they don't want to do that kind of stuff. But, you know, if they say, no, I'm interested, then fine. But at least you have asked. Help grade and return Bible correspondence courses. Again, you know, some of these things I think are pretty easy. But at the same time, I think some of these people take some people will take this and say, oh, I can do that, and then I don't, have to, I don't actually have to go outside and talk to anybody. Uh, you know, these things are fine, but we need to make sure we have the right attitude. Uh, next one, he says, invite folks to attend our Bible classes, worship services, gospel meetings, and campaigns. You know, it's amazing how many people do not invite people to services. They do not invite them to gospel meetings, to lectureships, uh, to seminars, all those types of things. How They don't invite them to any of those things. And how sad it is. And we wonder why the church isn't growing. Because many are sitting back, to be honest, they're sitting back and waiting for someone to go and grow the church themselves so they can just sit back and watch. Because they don't want to do it themselves. Uh, conduct uh, private one-on-one -on -one studies. That's our goal. That's what we've been talking about throughout most of this class, conducting one-on-one -on -one studies. We know the biggest part of it is not just the study. The biggest part of it is actually getting someone to study with you. Uh, that's why I spent so much time talking about setting up the study because that's 90% of it, or at least 75% of it. The rest is getting the study and getting them to completion. We can't make them obey, but we need to, we, we, our goal should be not just to present our material in a good way, in a sensible way, but also get to the, to the end of it. You know, it doesn't mean rush through it, but be able to get through it all and give them a chance to respond. We want people to respond, but you know what? We can't make them respond. Uh, next one, he says, arrange private studies with friends or loved ones so that some other member of the church can teach them. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not willing and comfortable teaching someone, then maybe arrange a study with someone. Invite them to study with a, a preacher, an elder, or a deacon. But you know what? When we do that, let's make sure they're really interested in it, okay? Because I've had that happen plenty of times when people say, well, we want you to study and so-and-so. Okay, well, when's a good time to do that? Oh, why don't you just come over you know, this afternoon? We get there, and this guy has no idea why you're there. And so what happens? Well, it falls on the preacher to try to set up a study. If we're going to set up a study, then set it up. Or don't say that. Just say, would you come over and talk to someone and see if you couldn't set up a study with them? Don't tell you know, the preacher or the elder or deacon, whoever it is, oh, come over and study with them tonight. And have them go through the, the time of getting prepared, getting all the material together and get there, and this guy doesn't even know if you're having a study. And so make sure we're either, we're either encouraging people to have a study or asking someone to come over and help us get a study with someone. And make sure that uh, we know the difference between the two. <clears throat> he says, tape a sign on the window of your vehicle or front door of, your, of the place where you live that, adver that advertises a Bible correspondence course or the church activities. You know, 
I've thought many times about slapping a sign on the side of my uh, vehicle advertising the Church of Christ because you can get magnetic signs and things slap on your door and I just haven't done it. Uh, because, you know, sometimes that can work out well. Other times it can work out bad. Uh, I don't know if people would come out and steal it, but I wouldn't doubt it. Some some people today, it's it's sad. Some people, they are just bitter towards the Church, church of Christ. And so if someone sees that's a sign that can come off, they may just come by and take it off, and then you're out that 50 75 bucks or whatever it costs to get that thing made. Uh, but it doesn't mean there's not good ways to advertise for the church and try to reach people around you as well. Now, I do have a shirt, for instance, that says the Church of Christ in one corner of my shirt, and people can see see that. And I actually we've been stopped at a, a restaurant before and, and uh, spoke with a gentleman about the, about the church because I had that shirt on. Um, he says, give tapes of appropriate sermons, we probably say CDs, to those you care about. Uh, you know, if your congregation has a series of sermons on something, or a series of a Bible class on something, ask for a CD if it's available, ask for a DVD, whatever the case may be, and give those to your family members or friends. Uh, ask people if they would like to Bible, watch a Bible video, such as uh, the Joel Miller series, in the privacy of their home. The World Video Bible School has a lot of good material, interesting, excuse me, interesting topics, and you could use that as a way to reach people today as well. Uh, since we're on this topic of videos, I'll use this as my inlet for technology. Uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, all those types of things are ways we connect with people, and there's nothing wrong with putting out, you know, announcements for the church on our social social sites or Facebook or Twitter announcing gospel meetings announcing sermon topics announcing campaigns whatever whatever we can do to invite people to come announcing the ability to have a Bible correspondence course sent to you all those types of things and we should be willing to do that uh, he says knock doors to distribute tracts or invite people to services or special events this is something I do uh, once or twice a month it's hard to find time by myself to go out and do this because we do other things as well. But I go out for at least a few hours, a couple of times a month, and we, I'll knock doors by myself, knock doors in places that we usually don't knock doors at, and invite people to services, invite them to gospel meetings, uh, give them maybe a correspondence course if they're interested, if they're willing to take it, those types of things. And just let them, a lot of that meantime is let them know, hey, we're here, and you should come and visit with us. Um, pass along appropriate bulletin articles to those you think would benefit from reading. Uh, volunteer to babysit for those parents that have younger children so they can go out to teach and make visits. You know, that's something to think about. You know, I know some people, they aren't able to go out and do things because they have to stay and watch their kids. And so we have some older members who might be interested in babysitting for a while, for a couple hours. Why don't you go out and visit with someone, have a Bible study with someone? I'm sure many would be thrilled to do that. Uh, visit those non-Christians who have not attended our services. This is a great way to get them to know them better, to help them feel more comfortable with us, and to find out how interested they are in the gospel. If people show enough interest to come to our services, then surely we ought to be wise enough to show interest in them by following up and visiting them. And so we need to encourage people to come and visit with us. Uh, write a brief note or send a card to a non-Christian who have attended our services. We do this every time someone comes, or I do anyway. Others may do it as well. We send out a letter 
on the church letterhead. Thanking them for visiting with us, asking them if they have any questions to let us know, and encouraging them to come back and be with us at any time they can. I encourage people to watch sound TV programs or sound listen to sound radio programs like what Church here in Ulugal does. Uh, encourage them to listen to those things and watch those things. Visit, write, or call airing members of the church. Remember, if they are unfaithful, they're just they're just as lost as those who are outside of Christ. And so we need to be willing to reach out to these people. You know, there's a lot of things that can discourage us when it comes to personal evangelism. People not wanting to talk to us. Uh, people uh, only want to talk about the weather when they do talk with us. Uh, people locking their gates, closing their blinds, not coming out when we're knocking on the door, ignoring us when we're at their door, at their gate, uh, ignoring our letters. I've sent, I can think of several people I've sent letter after letter to, called, 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 visited, and then nothing. Won't even come to the door, won't even acknowledge you send anything to them. And what's really frustrating sometimes is that people think that, well, where's so-and-so? Have you ever talked to them? And you know, we need, to, we need to encourage members and preachers and elders and deacons. Just because we don't see someone who's been here for a few weeks doesn't mean they haven't been contacted. And that's one of the things that frustrates me sometimes. Is people assume that, well, you haven't contacted them, that's why they're not here. You know, some people, they just don't want to come. Uh, for whatever reason, they don't want to come. And, you know, you can't make someone come that don't want to come. They can't make someone obey that doesn't want to obey. We do all we can to reach out to them, to encourage them. But you know what? Sometimes we have to realize that people don't want to come. They don't want to obey. We let someone else try, and we go and talk to somebody else ourselves because we can't spend 60 years talking to someone who doesn't want to listen to you. Let someone else give it a shot, and you go talk to someone else. But, you know, I think that's a concept that's lost in a lot of people. But it doesn't mean we give up on them. We let someone else give it a shot. But we cannot spend all of our life talking to someone who will not listen to us. Well, that is going to conclude our class this evening.